0: Last year I went to, uh, uh, Chile for a couple of weeks with Ajahn Punyataro and, uh, a lot of interest in Santiago and the Buddhism, especially, the mainly their contacts are through the Tibetan and Zen traditions. <coughs> I'd give, uh, public talks, and, and of course it would be translated into Spanish, and so uh, I asked uh, what is the Spanish word for mindfulness, and they use the word "atención." so uh, I think that's comprehensible in English, <coughs> so attention and uh, mindfulness Sampachanya is uh, Pali word Sampachanya is usually used together or the ability to, uh, to apperceive the uh, apperception the ability to, to take in all that's present in one moment <coughs> That attention not on a, on, a, on a one thing but a, a general attention a, a broad spectrum and just pointing this out even though this is this is uh, quite obvious in itself but because we do it all the time sometimes we don't uh, uh, know what we're doing. We haven't really contemplated it, noticed. A concentration uh, for samadhi, the kind when we're trying to develop samadhi through concentrating on an object, the samatha practices, is focusing on one point, on the breath, or, you should start with the breath, you can use mantra like butto, or different casinas, or even subjects like metta practice, or whatever this, uh, fixing on a particular subject or object, like metta or the breath. Metta, of course, is more of an attitude of, uh, receptivity. Like, uh, loving kindness in this sense, uh, is non-discriminatory, isn't it? It's, when we spread metta, it's not, it's not, we're not discriminating, uh, in terms of, uh, you know, who, who, uh, you know, it spread to everything, every living creature. Eventually, so it starts with oneself, and then from there to all sentient beings. So this is uh, using perception to do this. It's, uh, it's uh, loving kindness doesn't uh, favor anybody. You know, when we practice metta, mm-hmm. we're not spreading metta only to oneself and one's best friend, but to, to everything, to the enemy, to the demons, to the angels, to everything, every living creature that we can possibly conceive of. And it's not an amount, you know, 90% to the good ones, only 10% to the bad. So this, the effect of metta practice is, is one of non-discrimination. And of course the, the question of how can you spread metta to your enemy, somebody that hates you, wants to harm you. How can you spread loving kindness to somebody who wants to do you harm? Because the emotion, isn't it, is, uh, one of, uh, you know when when somebody is out to get you <clears throat> your emotional reaction is one of fear resentment hatred anger towards them or in the christian context of loving your enemy how is that possible you know, as an ideal, I mean, you can say, you know, love your enemies and as, a, as some kind of nice thing to be able to do. But how do you do it? So, it's learned like with metta, putting it in a context of where it isn't so high up, such as loving, uh, meaning uh, liking. as uh, the word, English word love oftentimes we use it just to mean liking somebody when we love somebody we usually mean we like them when we love something uh, we, we really mean we like it we love this particular kind of food we really mean we like it <clears throat> so trying to get this clear in your own uh, mind how, how the effect of words uh, love uh, is also a word that's used for so many different things. Romantic love uh, means you really like somebody, they're special. And then, uh, of course, like means dislike. Now, when in, in you contemplate liking things, uh, it's, uh, it, it's, ba- it's, it's uh, helpful to use the uh, teaching of itabhajita, uh, dependent, how things depend on each other, when the conditions for liking are present, then the, you experience like, and when the conditions for disliking are present, you experience that. So liking is uh, is dependent on conditions being a certain way, where in metta uh, or loving kindness, uh, it's it's unconditioned love. This it's not a matter of whether the conditions are there for liking anything or approving or agreeing or any, any positive feeling, but it it uh, it transcends. The, the personal feeling one might have of liking or disliking. So in uh, Christian terms I use unconditioned love. And what is that in terms of our, of the reality, you know? Is that just another uh, ideal that none of us can, can manage or is that quite a practical thing? So, having investigated this myself, I see, you know, like, like uh, loving the enemy doesn't mean loving the enemy doesn't mean uh, a positive feeling towards them. Like, um, you know, trying to convince myself that I that I like the enemy or I. I'm in love with the enemy, but it means my ability to accept unconditionally the way it is. If somebody dislikes me and is out to get me, then the metta is is recognizing this and not creating anger, hatred in regards to it. So, if with mindfulness. you know one can and sampatanya we can actually we be aware of, of when something hurts us or offends us or threatens us in some way but not to create uh, not to compound that feeling with with uh, with angry thoughts and actions. So, to me meta is very basic it's uh, if you develop meta practice it's it's uh, it allows everything to be what it is it's, there's no conditions uh, placed on it no no strings attached no caveats it's just that even the most uh, the demons the the villains the tyrants the uh, all the the nasties uh, that that come and go in the universe are included in that and it doesn't mean it, it, it's not approving or pretending uh, anything that we don't feel but our ability to to reflect and not to to create anger hatred not to add to it with. Our own emotional reaction and getting caught in that, in that emotional uh, anger, resentment towards somebody who we see as an enemy. So on the level of compounded phenomena or sankaras, uh, and that's both in, you know in your mind and external, whether it's you know your own anger, uh, uh, hatred, resentment, fears, as well as uh, the uh, demons and nasties outside, the attitude of metta is, is receiving, not creating, not compounding with uh, negative mental state. So when, when the word loving kindness can sound a bit insipid, in fact, and it? it is how we must love everybody and, and these imperatives uh, about you know that that make us feel uh, uh, it's impossible for us to to love somebody who we actually feel anger and hatred towards. So the when we start with ourselves, metapragmatics always start with may I be well or kind of the direction is towards yourself it also implies your own mental states like uh, anger hatred you might feel for somebody having metta for that means not approving of or going along with your anger hatred but not compounding it with guilt uh, about the the mental state you're actually feeling. So it's like there's a receiving it, opening to it, discerning it, recognizing it, is our ability to aperceive, to, to receive something say that's happening within us that we we could feel very guilty about. If I told you you should love everything and then you feel Anger and hatred towards uh, the the people that you you're supposed to love, then uh, you'd feel guilty. You know, I could make you uh, intimidate you, make you feel that you somehow shouldn't be feeling the way you do. <clears throat> So developing metta is a, in the Theravada form is one of the paramitas, and it allows all things to be what they are because at this moment it can only be this way. Whatever way you're feeling at this moment, uh, let's face it, this is, unless you're intentionally trying to make you feel a, make yourself feel a certain way but if you're just aware of how you are feeling at this moment you know that's the way it is you, to 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 hate it and to resent or to feel guilty about what you're feeling right now is compounding it you're making it more than what it is it's not metta anymore it's judgment it's uh, is, uh, adding to this moment by saying I shouldn't feel like this uh, I'm not a very nice person for for hating uh, somebody at this moment that I should love so uh, this uh, context of should and shouldn't is very strong isn't it with, with our society it is full of because it's, it's of an idealistic nature we're we we think in terms of how things should be and how you should be. But satisampachanya is, is uh, our ability to recognize the way it is. And from there you can also recognize your tendency to judge it. I don't like the way it is, it shouldn't be like this, I shouldn't feel like this, they shouldn't be like that. and maybe you're right maybe somebody is uh, being very abusive to you and they shouldn't admittedly that's wrong and you're right because people shouldn't treat you badly so we get confused about right and wrong uh, because uh, it's the sense of things should be right and not wrong people should be filled with loving kindness and so forth they shouldn't be filled with anger and hatred, resentment prejudices <clears throat> but in terms of the way it is metta then allows things to be what they are it's not approving uh, it in any way but it's recognizing not creating, not compounding it with with your uh, reaction, and to even have metta for your reaction means to to allow your reaction, to make it conscious, but not attaching to that reaction, not following it. And this is this, is, this can be quite subtle. But I found this quite difficult myself, being uh, judgmental easily thrown into criticisms and judgments about myself. Uh, when I feel anger, resentment towards others there's a then there's a inner tyrant that says, you know, this you shouldn't feel like this. You shouldn't be like this. But to when when there is the negative state to recognise it's like this. And I'm not adding I'm not saying how it should or shouldn't be but it it's uh, when I say the way it is or like this, it's just pointing helps me to focus on the what I'm feeling at this moment non-judgmentally. So this sati sampatanya this, this is our ability to do this to to know what we're thinking, to to let it be fully conscious, received in consciousness, uh, allowing it to be what it is, there's no conditions placed on it anymore, it is what it is, that's an honest reflection, Is something right now is the way it is, and uh, it's not saying how it should be, So if you trust this ability, sati then uh, then you can st- you begin to to uh stop or see the way you tend to react, you know, to things when you're feeling anger, and then you the your inner tyrant says you shouldn't feel anger, you should feel love. You're, you're more quickly aware of these as as conditioned reactions rather than as positions to take and attach to and follow because the condition you know the all that arises ceases, every condition if you allow it that you that you are conscious of if you accept it for what it is it takes you to cessation so this is the the, the you know things can't they have no permanent nature nothing that can sustain them so if you allow them to be what they are then they change accordingly and then the, you see you begin to notice the cessation the ceasing and a cessation then is uh, when we begin to have the insight into the unconditioned nibbana So logically one can, the, you know, all conditioned phenomena, all sentient beings isn't a thought or a, an emotion, a sentient being in its own right, you know, no matter how personal it might seem. Like uh, an emotion that arises, anger towards somebody, and the, that, you know, is is a condition that arises and ceases just like all other sentient beings so the reason why we start with our the may I be well is is the clue of a bit turning toward learning to accept the way you are notice what you're feeling the way it is for you mm. not judging it and not, not not it's not a criticism but the the encouragement to to pay attention to know that The feeling of this moment is like this. So in this sense, the unconditioned or the the refuge in awareness, which is our... Uh, experience where we begin to recognize unconditioned that which we can't conceive of but which we can know through awareness otherwise we're just caught in an endless reiteration a recreation of ourselves endlessly according to conditions and we we react like this, and praise and we ha- we're happy, blame, we're angry, success, failure, happiness, suffering, we're caught in the trap of of the worldly dhammas all the time and judging accordingly good, bad, right, and wrong, and I explore you know the just the 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 way we attach to sense of being. Of things being right or wrong, and so this is uh, this is according to thinking, isn't it? Things are some things are right, some things are wrong, and so there's a, this a fact. This is this this is right. I'm right. You shouldn't abuse me. So you're wrong. So by attaching to those concepts you know not understanding how our mind works then we we uh, create this division and so by being attached to the sense of I'm right and you're wrong then of course there's a permanent division seemingly permanent division between us if I don't see through the attachment to myself as I'm right which makes you wrong then uh, then what what is this you know unless you're willing to uh, go along with my view and admit you're wrong and sometimes we do that to each other you you have to admit you're wrong you you know you you're the person that's wrong and I'm right we get into what we call a righteous position <laughs> and it's easy to do that in uh, in any religious uh, convention it's what it's so easy to to uh, attach to goodness and righteousness to morality to uh, ideals about how things should be and it's all good stuff it's not you know, it's not uh, trying to to uh, say there's anything wrong in that. But it's transcending right and wrong. So how do you transcend your own righteousness? Or your sense of being wrong. Maybe you feel you're, you're, you're a person who's wrong and you're guilty and and you hate yourself because you shouldn't be the way you are how do you transcend that? and that of course the only possibility that I found is through awareness of it Because I can actually, you know, when, when I trust in awareness, I can actually see the sense of, you know, I begin to notice this attachment I have to me being right. The kind of, you know, it can, and you get into kind of righteous indignation. It's a kind of very highly, highly energized experience, you know, being right and righteous and indignant about the wrongs of the world, it's it's uh, kind of exciting to be, be right and indignant. And, and it seems right. And you can convince other people you're right. But it also is blinding if we don't see, if we don't understand what we're doing. Though we can do terrible things to each other uh, through, uh, you know, thinking that, you know punishing punishments um, ostracism, exclusion, and all this we 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 want to punish somebody for being wrong, we want to humiliate them, make them grovel at our feet and admit they're wrong, or eradicate them, genocide, things like this happen because we we, we have this sense of they're wrong, they're the enemy, we've got to get rid of them. So you can see the danger of this, this dualistic realm of good and bad, right and wrong. If we, if we don't understand it then we're caught into that. That's our real world and and we're always in this state of there's always something wrong and as you know, as long as we're in a separate form in this, this human form, this human body, you know, there's a lot of threatening things around us. We can see uh, human society as a threat. You know, many of us have felt that, felt very threatened and intimidated by society or by the people around us. Because we see, our, we confine ourselves only to to our own sense of ourself as our reality, and we don't know how to to get beyond it. So we we develop all kinds of neurotic habits out of that fear. So this encouragement towards sati sampatinya is, is this. Uh, escape from that not turning your back and running away but it's embracing it it's a kind of being able to embrace the moment whatever uh, conditions might be present unconditionally it doesn't 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 pick or choose it just is a, a discerning notice the way it is <coughs> And of course this leads towards upekā or equanimity. I've found that uh, uh, you know the more I the, through the years of practice uh, the, the experience of equanimity is very strong. Upekā, one of the other barami, Because by learning to trust this awareness, then, then, I'm, I'm in a, I, I, I'm in a, I'm resting in a transcendent awareness that has perspective on right and wrong, good and bad, on feeling, on pleasure, pain, on the dualisms of the sense world. And it's not a judgment, not a criticism or preference, but, uh, but the ability to to transcend. And transcendence this isn't kind of rising beyond it and then leaving it all behind, but embracing it. Because this is what we can actually do. You know, the... The desire is to for me is to be to transcend it means to kind of rise above it all and be beyond it, to get to a place where I'm just so pure that that the problems of the world just don't bother me anymore they don't don't even register in consciousness. I'm above it all and uh, beyond it. But if I want to get beyond it, and in that way of just rising out of it and escaping from it, there's aversion there. Isn't I can't stand this world the way it is, the sense realm, and I, I just want to get out of it and be free from it and, and uh, not have to be, uh, have to deal with it anymore. But in terms of uh, the reality of this moment. Here and now, this is the way it is. The, the, the body is like this, the emotional quality is like this, the situation that I see or experience through the senses is like this. So this, this awareness then uh, is transcending, but not in a way of, of turning away, but in receiving, recognizing, discerning. So the discerning then is the panya, uh, the sati sampachanya sati panya. Panya then also is, is natural to us when we, when we can discern with the ability to discern things. It see you know it's not a, we're not trying to say everything is the same, or whitewash it all, or, or deny anything. Uh, that that we 're experiencing but or judging it, but to discern it is like this the way it is what I feel right now is like this, this feeling is like this and when i when I reflect in this way, i find i ha- I have the ability to to accept to receive uh, mental states that i don 't like. That I don't want personally but if i if I don't do this then then I just get caught in reactions the habit habitual patterns of indulging or repressing because those are very you know those are quite strong habits that you develop of learning how to you know hold on to this and try to Protect yourself, and how to suppress or deny uh, unpleasantness in yourself. Run away from things. There's also the meta-practice, uh, you know, from the cynical attitudes of the present time, where. Uh, we see so many things that shouldn 't be in the in the world around us in the international scene politics economics social problems uh, you know the, the media are very good at at, at uh, making these conscious the the problems of the world all over the world now. At one time before mass media, we were mostly aware of problems in the family and in the immediate community. Now we can be aware of, from everywhere, most remote places on the planet, the injustices, atrocities, and, and corruption that take place. So one can develop a kind of cynicism about the world. And when we look at things through a critical eye, there's so many things to, to, uh, that are wrong. Shouldn't be. People shouldn't be corrupt. There shouldn't be exploitation of minorities or unfairness in the world. Or uh, that is, uh, you're right, absolutely right. It shouldn't be like that. But if we grasp that as our refuge. Then, of course, what happens is one just gets cynical because it makes you feel despair. What can you do about it and what What can I do about all the misery and injustice that exists right now on this planet <coughs> and you know, and I think of what I can do as as this person doesn't seem very much. And it seems so kind of complicated and ongoing that it leads to despair. Let's not even think about it. You know, let's not... Let's, not uh, let's just turn to something more like the flowers in the garden or the what color you're going to paint the wall rather than and have to deal with all the injustices uh, that we hear about. That are taking place at this time. (coughs) Then you see, you you begin to, when you, when you're taking refuge in awareness, you see that it all starts from here, doesn't it? If, if, if I don't understand things as they are, and uh, make no effort in that direction, Then uh, you know that's why the world is the way it is. Why there is corruption and exploitation, things like this, because human beings aren't awakened. They're just caught in their habits of right and wrong, and survival, and and uh, controlling, and fear, desire. One just that's the way. That's what happens to us when we don't awaken, don't pay attention. So what we can do at this moment this doesn't deny any possibility of helping in the world in, the, in, a, in a you know when we can do so uh, externally but what we can do this is where you're getting to know what what, it, what you can do at this moment which is a benefit to all sentient beings Is uh, is awareness about learning to cultivate, to be in this, to to pay attention to life as you experience it, not as some kind of news you get on the on the telly, but uh, uh, the way it is for you at this moment, whatever you know, whatever uh, conditions might be present. To be aware of them and see their recognize their nature seeing things in this discerning all conditioned phenomena is is a Nietzsche, impermanent, so then at least this point of consciousness in the universe is at this moment isn't deluded and i and then I that's what I can do. I, I actually can do that. It's not not some something that I can't do. I can take responsibility for that. Whether it's solving the problems of Uganda or Russia or Britain or whatever, in terms of ma- getting rid of the corruption and... and and uh, curing all the the problems and injustices, this I can't see how I can do that right now at this moment <clears throat> in any practical way. But I trust in the in the in that this awareness isn't you know is is something that I that I'm quite capable of doing, cultivating. So at least the problem has been solved within this being here. <clears throat> that awareness then connects us to a universal that when, it, we, 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 when we discriminate and divide right and wrong good and bad then we're, we're dividing things up creating division but when we're just in the point of awareness it's unitive Metta is uh, is really a unit uniting everything. It's it's uh, a uni. It's so that that we're not preferring one thing over another. We're not caught in creating division, but in receiving life from this perspective of the one or the ekagata or one pointedness. And then equanimity isn't a, a kind of indifference and not caring, but is equanimity or upeka, the barami, the virtue of upeka is, is, uh, not making, not creating, not, not taking sides, not, uh, creating more divisions. We abide in a state of of equanimity doesn't mean not caring or being indifferent towards the wrongs of the world or the flaws in our So I've found that by recognizing this, you know, this, this stillness, the still point, sound of silence resting in this this point of awareness the point expands from just the moment you know, just some you know just a fragment of of, of this particular conscious moment to, to uh, this what we call connectedness when we're when we're mindful we're one with everything when we start thinking then we start dividing everything up again now, uh, what the experience of oneness, because of the the word itself, the you know tends to even be divisive. <laughs> what is oneness? Because as an ideal, it means like you kind of merge into everything. You, you don't exist anymore. You, everything is just. One, and, and it, as an ideal, uh, the, how that, that word affects me when I try to, you know, think about it, it, uh, it seems an impossibility. Because the thinking process is in the way of, of the reality of it. That's why I uh, encourage this recognizing non-thinking, the gaps between thoughts, the sound of silence, <clears throat> just pure awareness where, where thought then is seen in perspective it's, an, it's a mental object it's not you're not making thoughts the subject like when I conceive myself when I create myself then, I bec- then my, my ego my self view becomes the subject of experience I was saying yesterday uh, personally my personal habits are uh, mm. such that that uh, you know i, I have uh, I react to things, and so the the personal the ego, or the sense of me as a, as a separate person, tends to distort the reality of this moment if I, if I don't see through it, if I'm not aware, and just operate from my personality. I see things through, through my prejudices, through my, uh, perceptions of life. But when I let go of that, and then, then there's a oneness that includes everything it's not making everything the same because the condition phenomena is is the way it is, it's changing, you can't just make all condition phenomena one thing and put everybody in in in, you know in the same suit of clothes and try to make everybody the same you can't make every thought the same best you can do is chant a mantra (coughs) over and over but eventually you know through awareness one lets go of the mantra because even the mantra gets in the way of the reality so when you when you try to think of yourself as experiencing oneness uh, actually the thoughts get in the way this is you know what is oneness? I don't know what it is. It's just uh, you know, nice idea, but I certainly don't experience oneness with anything. As a person, I don't. And when I start thinking, it becomes complicated, and uh, and and um, almost seemingly impo- I can make it sound impossible. Because the more I think about it, the more complicated it becomes. But if I trust in this this moment of attention presence I'm not, not caught up in thinking but in awareness I'm resting in the state of awareness And I'm not creating you, even though I still see you, you know, with my eyes. I see you as separate from me on a physical level. But I'm not making any problem about that. I'm not creating it. I'm not thinking about it or, 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 um, you know, ma- making it into a complication. Because the oneness is in the awareness that awareness is non-personal so we we're, we're one when we're in that awareness. When we begin to recognize this, then the, the differences we have are not the ultimate issue anymore. We can negotiate and resolve personal differences and conflicts and things like this. If we have this perspective, if I don't have this perspective, then then I become righteous. You know, I've got to convert you or convince you. Or if you don't agree, I've got to get rid of you. Uh, just see you as a as a threat, as difficult person, and uh, and and I and you become a problem for me. And I can't see through it. I have no perspective on it, and I and I can believe it. I could even convince others. You know, go around saying that person is hopeless and and then, you know, through that other people would see, well, Ajahn Samedo says that person is hopeless and then they start seeing you as hopeless. <laughs> That's what prejudice is, isn't it? Where we form, you know, like anti-semitism and things like that. Rumors circulated and uh, racial prejudices and and suggestions about ethnic minorities and men or women or you know, working class or middle class, upper class or all these things are, uh, you know, identities we have and and we have social prejudices that are part of our conditioning. We're brought up in, in families and situations where, uh, prejudices are, biases are part of the, the, uh, cultural conditioning. So in awareness, we're getting beyond the cultural conditioning. This isn't, you know, it's getting beyond uh, the the identities of nationality or race or gender or ethnic identity. So in this point, then as a human human individual, this is this is. Uh, this allows me to get perspective, to 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 see things in a way to that 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 compassion arises rather than just anger and resentment. The karuna mudita of the Brahma Viharas, the suffering of others, the compassion, recognizing that how difficult it is, how deluded how easy it is to, to just live in a realm of one's own delusions, operating from fear, survival. You know, how many people have an opportunity to to get beyond that and are just stuck in realms of anger and hatred. You see it throughout the world. Your know, people just hate each other endlessly. Holding views like in Israel, Palestinians, and and Israelis, and Jews, and whatnot. These are these are strong perceptions that uh, that uh, strong identities. The Al Qaeda, the Islamic terrorists, the the uh, forces of evil, the axis of evil, (laughs) like this. These are perceptions that. That uh, cause endless division, and we we can only see the only way to get rid of Eve of terrorists is to kill them off mm. so the war on terror is the is the war we're now living with in terms of popular attitudes of the time uh, president bush's war on terror. In the process of of uh, creating more and more terror by trying to get rid of the terrorists, and if we don't, if we have no discerning ability or any wisdom, then it's easy to see that you know what happened to 9/11 and so forth is is uh, you know the memory of that is is uh, you know is a terrible shock and terrible. Thing to have done, and then the then the prejudiced views that come from that, the fear, the desire to protect yourself from these horrible forces that are trying to destroy our way of life, our country, our society, and and we we lose that oneness, and we create a division, which is then. The, what we call the real world. So, it, but you begin to see you do it in within your mind before before all of that happens. If you're caught in in this uh, conditioned thinking process, then then we're just perpetuating the same thing over and over. You know, we're we're actually perpetuating the uh, cr- creating and adding to the problem. Because the, the answer, the resolution comes from within. Mm-hmm. Not through trying to get rid of all the, uh, the Al-Qaeda and the, the, uh, the enemies. But in being free from friend-enemy attachment. Free from Fear. So uh, you know, and, and you, it can look to to us like here on this winter's retreat, we're just sitting here in this temple, not doing anything to help the world. Sure, uh, many people would consider us, you know, just avoiding the issue. You know, going up to Amaravati and sitting there watching your breath because you can't bear to deal with all the terrible things that are happening you know, on the international. Uh, field and you just uh, want to get out of the whole thing by avoiding it it can look like that but I see it as as actually coming resolving the problems because this is something I can do here and now something that's within my capability not add to not create more divisions By opera, by, by just living my life, uh, creating more prejudices, more biases, taking sides and blaming and, and so forth that I would tend to do as a person, as a personality. So then the karuna or compassion comes to understanding this with, it's not, it's not just uh, feeling sorry for deluded people out there, but recognizing within, within your own heart, your own mind, the problem begins there. The delusion, the blindness, the the attachments we have within, within our own uh, conscious experience so how could the external world the society the international scene be otherwise you know if if uh, is there any way we can resolve that you know by just rearranging the conditions or by destroying the enemy so when you get into destroying you know trying to get rid of the terrorists what happens is is uh, fear you know you feel it internationally now there's an incredible high level of fear everywhere you go to the airports and the news you hear and only the fear of of some kind of uh, terrorist acts. they check you out see if you have any like pen knives or or uh, nail clippers or anything that could be used as a Weapon of mass destruction. So out of good intentions, by trying to protect ourselves, we create the very conditions that are going to, you know, where we create more and more fear, anxiety, in regards to our life, the protection of our families, the society we live in. It just goes on and on. I can't see any way, you know, just through aggressive means controlling, and that is, uh, you're not getting to the root of the problem. You're just reacting to the conditions as they happen, so this is, I encourage you to to recognize the, the getting to the root is what meditation is about the basic delusion that that where that all this this confusion and fear and terror arise from that delusion if we don't Get to the root of it, then, the, then, then. Of course, we are caught in that delusion, and we live in that realm, and we perpetuate those those kind of uh, deluded mental states within our own mind, and how what we say to others, and our effect on the on our families, on our society, is contributing to. To the chaos confusion, the terror uh, that exists in the in the society now, when you get to the root, then the oneness you know, that compassion then isn't 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 sentimental, not like feeling sorry you 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 see that the, how how simple the answer is but how difficult it is to to really trust in your own awareness you know, how easy we get thrown back into the prejudices and habits that we have how easily it is to just be taken over and lost in our fears and desires <coughs> so this encouragement, using words like trust or faith, confidence in this. To me, you know, by exploring this awareness, testing it out, uh, recognizing it, uh, resting in it, so that it, it, it's your refuge. You, you, you. This is what you really are. This awareness. You're not this. This personality, this human body, this—you're not this victim of circumstances. You're not this limited creature that that you believe you are. Uh, if you just go along with with what you think and and your emotional habits might make you think. mudita or joyfulness comes from this emptiness from this still point mudita is a, like sympathetic joy and it it uh, you know one one experiences joy as a reality too there's so much beauty in goodness uh that we have in ourselves and we see in each other and in the in the uh, universe around us so the the joy we get isn't doesn't create desire like mudita is not doesn't isn't because it's not based on delusion and on sentimentality but on on awareness hmm. It's the spontaneity, because uh, in this realm we live in, there's so much beauty in it, goodness, that we, you know, the response to that from from an awakened consciousness is uh, is joy. We're not just it's not just the you know the the, the suffering of of others or the you know, it's not just being aware of the suffering but also of the beauty, the goodness that we have, that we experience in this form as a human human being. But it's not addictive either. We're not trying to, to just have mudita experiences all the time. <laughs> because usually happiness or you know makes us is you know addicted to we want more of it, the so joy you know we want more joy uh you know we go around looking for joyful experiences all the time, having an obsession with mudita doesn't make sense anymore that's based on desire and ignorance again, so the brahma viharas are are you know not not. Uh, kind of sentiments that we, that just make us feel good. They're not feel good factors, but they're realities that, that we begin to, to recognize through awareness, they're responding to the world around us, to the way things are. It's a spontaneity, not a, not just a, which is not addictive. We don't, we aren't. Uh, attached to we don't attach to to joy kiss the joy as it flies the William Blake's poem he whom let's see what is it the who, he who binds to himself a joy Doth the winged life destroy But he who kisses the joy As it flies lives in eternity's sunrise That's a lovely reflection you know, I like trying to hold on to joy and Bind it to you You're killing it you're destroying the thing you're actually trying to hold on to. So in, in awareness, we can, we experience joy, but we don't, it's not, we're not trying to have it or hold it. Like the metaphor of kissing the joy as it flies is like, you know, appreciating it, but not, not try, trying to have, it, hold on to it in any way. So you find, you know, in a, in a, de- Daily life, so many small joys if we 're aware you know if we 're here and now we 're present, just things like the way the sunlight streams in or the uh, you know I mean certain things just suddenly you know uplift the spirit if you if you allow them the good the kind word of somebody else or the the uh, goodness of others and like this we're you know we're open, we're receptive so that we're not just seeing the world in terms of it's so corrupt and and uh, hopeless and people are so deluded and uh, and just thinking in in terms of what's wrong with everything or with ourselves but in by by opening by this this sampatanya, uh, then we experience life as it happens, the way things impinge on us, which then, of course, are karuna. We, we feel the grief, the sorrow, the sadness of life, and also its beauty and goodness. Because uh, the conditioned realm is like that. It's good and bad, Pleasant on Pleasant with the uh, Satipatthana four foundations of mindfulness Uh, the foundations of mindfulness awareness the four foundations the the body Gayanupasana Vedanupasana feeling or the sensitivity Uh, Jitanupasana mental states And Tamanupasana Dhamma. These are, these are, this is the convention in this Pali Buddhism scriptures that are attributed to the Lord Buddha. Foundations for mindfulness, meaning we, we can, wherever we are, there's the body, isn't it, to be mindful of. The feeling, the medana the you know, feeling, always something, we're feeling something all the time, wherever we are. The jhita, the mental state, the mood, the emotion, and the mano, see, seeing it, the terms of dhamma. That's where we use the the conventional Dhamma teachings like Four Noble Truths, the dependent origination, uh, as when we're thinking, when we're reflecting, we have these as tools to kind of put things in a way that we wouldn't ordinarily uh, use if we didn't have such teachings. At least I wouldn't have a clue how to use suffering very well. Where, when it comes a nice neat package like Four Noble Truths, that's really helpful. I don't have to figure it out all on my own. I've got a, a tool that helps me to look at things. It's, it's the way they, you know, the five khandhas, six ayatanas, ways of exploring or looking at things that are taking you out of personal, habitual ways of perceiving. because we're conditioned in, in another way not in terms of Dhamma but in terms of self me and mine is is the reality of my uh, cultural conditioning and so it's so easy to, to just go because that's the conditioning I acquired from infancy The cultural attitudes of parents and society that I was born into—that's the; those are the things you acquire when you're innocent, you know, and you're, you're you're being conditioned by the views and opinions society that you're you're born into. You acquire all that after you're born. So the the Dhamma teachings then are like the Anatta, Anicca, Dukkhanta ways of looking at at sensory experience. That we're not conditioned to look at things in that way, are we? We look. I'm conditioned to look at at experience in in a very personal way. This is happening to me, and what I think and feel and. What should or shouldn't be, according to my religion or parents' uh, con- uh, views and opinions or the society, and so we've got all these, these these ways of of interpreting experience. It's happening to me, and it's not right, or it's this is right and that's wrong. But in when we have the the dhamma teaching. It, it, it's, it's like something, a tool to get, to see through the illusions that we, that we tend to operate from. The sense of a self, a permanent soul or self-entity that is me. I even, uh, even a member of the Christianity I grew up in, they believed in a soul, unique soul. So that, I not only had a personality as a human being, but when I die I have a unique soul that's always very personal, a personally unique soul. It's me that when I die will go hopefully go to heaven and live with God is another personality. So that you're stuck you know you're stuck with having to what is a soul? What is my soul? And 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 it has to be a unique soul, meaning that that I'll never lose this this sense of separateness. I've always got to be Robert Jackman, even when I die. I'll still have this Robert Jackmanness even for eternity, because <laughs> of my unique soul. <laughs> it didn't sound very good, anyway. Wasn't it? Wasn't a, a, a comforting thought i having having to be this person forever, <coughs> because the personality isn't something that you know that I uh, I don't I don't crave for eternal existence as a person. I don't think I've ever felt that I wanted to exist forever as as a separate person or a separate soul. <coughs> So that that always makes this, it creates this complication of making, you know, God separate. And of course, God is he, he's a man, like a big father. And then you know what fathers are like. You know, I didn't have a very good relationship with my father, so the fathers are are, are not particularly, you know, a perception that, <laughs> having to live, forever with your father as a person <laughs> it didn't, wasn't particularly attractive <laughs> but when you when you're getting beyond that that personification of you know me, me and mine and uh and see the the limitation of perception, like the perception of father, mother, and all that, and God. These are created by the human mind. These aren't ultimate realities. These are these are uh, perceptions that we have, that we create. If we get beyond those 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 habits of of creation, you know, just reproducing these same perceptions over and over again and, and being limited by them, we, we re- realize a, uh, the transcendent or the deathless, the oneness, where the differences between us are no longer the important thing. We're not obsessed with what's wrong with oneself or with others or with the world around us we are that isn't we don't limit ourselves to that particular perception because we we've transcended it and therefore we can resolve perception all perceptions cease they take us they lead us to cessation so this is through the awareness and the the panya, the discerning ability. Now it, it can sound like annihilation, you know, because the the emotionally. We, we can feel threatened by things. If, I, if I'm not a person, then, uh, then I don't know who I am. And that can be very emotionally, very distressing, isn't it? If I'm not, if I can't define myself, know who I really am, then, then uh, may, you know... Some people feel very distressed by that. They always look at, who am I? What am I anyway? I don't know who I am, and it's very distressing for me. So we'll seek any identification, join a a club or a a group or anything for identity to, to define oneself. But what I'm suggesting to you is: Do you need definition? Do you need to find yourself? Is that the problem, finding yourself? Or beginning to recognize that you're not what you think? That you're not the self that you think you are. You're not the self that doesn't know who you are. This this uh, awareness then is is it's uh, the panya is natural to us. It's not like, I can't claim that personally as some kind of I've, you know, Ajahn Samadho have uh, I have a lot of wisdom that I've acquired through being a monk. That's not, the wisdom I can't claim is something I've acquired it, it happens as I let go of the delusions. It's it's not a, you know, something that uh, you don't have. Maybe you don't know that you have it, you don't appreciate it, you don't recognize it. So in in terms of uh, who am I, you give up that trying to find anything and trying to identify because all the identifications you might uh, find will never be adequate. So there's no point in trying to find out who you are. It's a, the recognition of what you're not. Like with the anatta, you're not the body, not the feelings. Not the perceptions, conceptions, mental formations, things like this. You're not, these are not me.
1: They are what they are
0: though. Not, not a denial of them, but I no longer claim them and, and attach and believe in them as me. And what's left is the awareness and trust in that. You know, that's, that's the refuge, the, what you can really, uh, rest in, abide in. Nothing to fear. Because it's not subject to, to the, uh, conditioned changes that, that any other refuge, on, you say, on a, on a worldly level will always let you down because the conditions change. It might be a temporary refuge, but it's not. You can't sustain it because things change, and and uh, you don't have that c- control over it. You don't. You can't make things permanent. So it's the awareness, recognizing, and try. This is this is you. You realize this for yourself. It's. Learning to recognize and really, really appreciate this. It's a, like precious jewel. But it doesn't seem like much in terms of your worldly thinking mind. You know, nobody's going to give you a Nobel Peace Prize or an Academy Award. You know. <laughs> in the world, it doesn't seem like anything worthwhile so I offer this for this morning's reflection